0: This is a big time of the year for gambling and betting, and sometimes that causes problems. Tony from Gamblers Anonymous joins us this morning to talk about that and to talk about what people can do if they're having problems. Tony, good to have you back again. Thanks for joining me for today. You're with Gamblers Anonymous. What is GA?
1: Uh, Gamblers Anonymous, actually, uh, thank you, Wayne, first of all, uh, is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience strength and hope with each other, that they may solve their common problem and then help other pro- problem gamblers solve their problems as well. So it's a fellowship where we need to, uh, we, we, we have to want it more than we need it, and then to keep it, we give it away to people, and that's, and that's how it grows.
0: How did it help you, Tony?
1: Oh well, my life was a mess uh, through gambling. For I was a daily gambler for well over thirty years, and um, I had no place else to go. I, uh, uh, besides the financial uh, desperation that I was in, and um, got in trouble with uh, all kinds of different people, uh, legal and illegal. I I was um, forced to, uh, well, you know. I had some kind of awakening, and it's hard to explain. It's not a religious program, but for me, it was a spiritual awakening. Um, I could have gambled more. I could have rung up more credit card debt. I could have gotten in more trouble and kept that life going, as I did for many, many years. And something stopped me, and I went to my first uh, Gambler's Anonymous meeting. Uh, It was the point of desperation. I had hit, uh, for me anyway, a rock bottom where I just didn't want to live the life anymore. You know, the lies, the cheating, the stealing, the deception, um, all, all the things that uh, not only did to myself, but it also affected my family, friends, work, and etc.
0: You used a line that I was intrigued by. You said legal and illegal gambling. What kind of illegal gambling were you doing, and how do you do that?
1: So I used to bet... Uh, the, Primary betting for me, anyway, was uh, horse racing, the casinos, of course, and uh, also illegal uh, sports gambling through bookies, which uh, now I I assume still exists, but there's also the online access uh, uh, almost across the entire country now where you can just pick up the phone and, and bet on just about anything under the sun.
0: And has this increased ability to place bets, you see ads for it on TV, sometimes on the radio as well, has that added to the problem of people that have gambling problems?
1: That is a great question, and it's one we ask ourselves all the time. When we go across the rooms, when we have our uh, monthly board meeting, which represents about 30 different meetings across the state, we ask people that question. Are you seeing newer people, younger people? and are people coming in more troubled with this new form of gambling? And although a couple of the rooms that I go to, we haven't seen too much of that, it was more the traditional sense of, of, of gambling, some rooms and some people have seen a lot of younger people in their 20s, early 30s, uh, some in their teens, who have rung up a huge amounts of credit card debt or somebody else's credit card debt, and set up these accounts and burned out very, very quickly, and got in a lot of trouble very quickly. So the problem with that is, um, and again, i i don't test I don't test those waters, but it's so instantaneous. There are bets within bets, bets within games, and it's it's just and it's twenty four seven. So it's a constant access. And what these people told us was they just couldn't put the phone down, and if they were losing halfway through, say a football game. They could still bet on the next part of the game, where in the old days, uh, through uh, other means, whether it was Las Vegas or bookies, you made a bet at the beginning of the game, and, and that was pretty much it. And you can bet on players, and it all follows all that fantasy league
0: types of things. Tony, do you think that people like yourself who have gone through the program, who have managed to get beyond their problem gambling issues, then they see these ads Constantly on television, does that make it more difficult for them to stay on the right side of life?
1: Well, I, you know, personally, I'm not I'm not troubled by it, but it but you are inundated with it, and some people have to turn the channels, and some people have to shut off the TVs, and some people get really all the radio, um, and they just get really tired of it. We we believe that this barrage of of uh, television uh, and uh, all media. Uh, bombardment will probably wane at some point uh, because, you know, people will be more accustomed to it, but it's fairly new, and and they're trying everything they can, the media and uh, whatever forms of advertising go out there. They're trying to get new players and new customers, and there's a lot of enticements. And, uh, yeah, some people get really, uh, really triggered by that. It, it wasn't a particular trigger for me, but for me I, I choose not to walk into the casino. I mean I've been there a couple of times to have a meal with a group of people but uh at a special event, but that's about it. We don't recommend hanging around there. Um, I certainly don't go to racetracks and uh I don't hang around I don't hang around with people who gamble and, and that's the other thing we tell people about don't associate with others who gamble. So if you go into the establishments, if you're hanging around people who are doing those things It's similar to going to hanging around a local bar and and you're not drinking.
0: Well, let's talk about what some of the issues are, what some of the signs are, both for the gambler themselves, who sometimes can't look in the mirror and see there's a problem, but also for the people who are around them, who live with them. What are some of the signs that people should be aware of that this has gotten out of hand? Oh,
1: another great question. Easily distracted. Checking the mail all the time. Unwanted phone calls. And, you know, that that's a tough one because there are a lot of spam calls these days. But uh, a lot of secrecy. Avoiding social situations. Making excuses not to attend, say, um, a birthday party of a relative or, oh, no, I have to watch this game or there's an important game on. Uh, or disappearing for long periods of time or not showing up home when you are supposed to. Now those could transcend other addictions and other issues, but they are particular signs. Um, Opening up a post office box. A lot of stuff is done in secrecy so people can hide it for a while, but the person's behavior generally uh, overreactive and distracted and um, worrying about money. And of course, phone calls coming in and late payments coming in through the mail or, or the internet and the spouse or family member may see that and start asking some questions, what's going on, what's going on. And also hanging around with some people maybe who are, uh, different than the people they hung around with before, or they have to go to the casino for different events. Uh, but it's generally the person's behavior uh, you you definitely see some signs, and a lot of it is about secrecy, and a lot of it is about covering up and lies, and uh, things not getting done, or maybe not providing the way they used to in their family uh, financially.
0: Tony, we just came off the Super Bowl, and we're not too far away from March Madness. Is this the toughest time of the year for problem gamblers?
1: Oh, the Super Bowl, uh, as, as many people know, is one of the largest largest betting event. Uh, yes. Uh, That is one uh, that's a get-out bet for some people, and there's a lot of proposition bets within the game. And so people have pools and and all those types of things. Similar to March Madness, uh, you know, you have the grids, you have the pools, uh, you have those types of bets. Of course, there's games on, well, the 68 teams, so there's games on constantly in the month of March and uh, the championship in early April. Uh, so more people start getting involved in that or testing the waters in that. And uh, with with the uh, types of gambling now allowed on the Internet, uh, we anticipate, we don't know this for sure, but we anticipate that people will be even more focused, more distracted, uh, missing work, betting at work, because those games run, as you know, you know, they start early in the day and they go right through midnight and they go on for three, three and a half weeks. So yes, uh, both of those, even though one is a single event and one one is a uh, multi-week event, uh, they are very uh, problematic for people.
0: So let's say somebody, somebody recognizes they have a problem or someone close to them recognizes they have a problem. What should they do? Is there a phone number to call? How do people get involved in going to a gamblers anonymous meeting?
1: Yes, there is a helpline, and I'll give you the helpline. It's 855-222-5542. And um, you could be the gambler looking for a meeting. You could be looking for advice. It could be a family member looking for a gamanon meeting, which, which is another form of recovery, and it's, it's a form of recovery for persons related Close to, it could be siblings, could be children, uh, and could be spouses or friends or significant others who are, who are with the gambler and concerned about the gambler, and so they could be pointed to meetings. So it's a place where they can be directed. Um, and we call it a helpline versus a hotline. It's, it's, um, it's there to direct the person to get to their first meeting or maybe talk about some of the issues that are going on. And we also have a website And the website is C-T-M-A-G-A at Yahoo.com. And that website is full of information, where the meetings are, how to get help. It's different phone numbers and different contacts. And it's Connecticut and Western Massachusetts.
0: Yeah, that's what that abbreviation means. C-T, Connecticut, M-A, Massachusetts, and G-A, Gamblers Anonymous. What's it like for the folks who admit it's time to seek help for them to go into that first gambler's anonymous meeting, is that a difficult time for them?
1: Oh it's very, very, very difficult. I mean, I can remember my own, and we see it with uh, and we see many new people come. we hope that they stay and we uh we provide phone lists and we call them uh to uh encourage them to come uh we It's very difficult we uh We ask them if they consider that if they are. Our, a problem gambler, we have questions that we ask. We have a 20-question uh, guide. And um, almost everybody says they answer enough questions that they are. That's why they're there. They're usually there. Generally speaking, it's uh, financial difficulties, financial trouble. Could be court-ordered. Could be a spouse saying they're going to leave them or a friend saying they're going to leave them if they, if they do not seek some uh, form of help. So it's very, very difficult for them to open up. And we don't expect them to, and we usually take them aside after the meeting, and we try to give them literate well, we give them literature, we give them phone lists, and people try to call them throughout the week. so it's very difficult. Ironically enough, we always say the more difficult meeting is the second meeting, because if you've experienced the first one, you've received the information, you've heard some stories, and then you're willing to come back. That is a huge step toward continuing to come. There's no guarantee, certainly. People do change their minds, and, uh, and, you know, different things happen, or they may start gambling up again, or something happens at home. But generally speaking, if we see them on the second meeting, there's a better chance that they'll continue.
0: And you touched on non, That's for those affected by the compulsive gambler's family and loved ones as well. Do they call that same number to get help, 855 222-5542. Does Gammonon have a different number?
1: Uh, Yes, they can call that number. I don't have a Gammonon uh, special number, but they can call that and receive information on contacting people. There are not that many Gammonon meetings uh, in the state. There's only a couple, but there's some key people who have been involved for years uh, who could help them, direct them to those meetings. And, And also, have a conversation with them about what gamanon is like. Because gamanon is not just help for the person. It's learning to cope. It's their own recovery program. So it gives them strength. It gives them hope. Uh, sometimes the people might wind up splitting up. Sometimes the marriage, if it's a marriage or a relationship, gets stronger. Uh, it could be children, you know, looking for, you know, my mom or dad, you know, has this problem. What do I do? So it gives, it gives them hope in their own recovery, uh, and it gives them the strength to, uh, to not only work with the compulsive gambler, but their own sanity and their own recovery. Um, and we've seen many, many couples, friends, family members, children, uh, really strengthen their recovery by having both the, the gambler in Gamblers Anonymous and the person in Gammonon on as well.
0: You touched on that 12-step recovery program. Give us an idea of what those 12 steps are.
1: The 12 steps basically start with uh, admitting. The first step is is the most important one in terms of admitting that you were all over the act of gambling and that your life had become unmanageable. If a person can't admit that Gambling has had a major impact on their life, whether it was financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally, or financially, uh, then they're probably in the wrong place. Uh, They may struggle with that at the beginning, but, uh, and the second piece is uh, that my life had become unmanageable. The next step, uh, or the next two steps, have to do with a higher power. And although it's not a religious program by any stretch, We've tried to do it ourselves many times, Uh, we freely admit, I've admitted, and it just didn't work. My willpower just didn't work. You know, I promise myself, um, it's the same with any other addiction, I promise I'm not going to engage, and then right after I say that, you know, I'm back, you know, family, drinking, doing the drug, whatever. And so we turned it over to a higher power, we call it. Some people, you know, get more religious about it, but it's not a religious program. And all it says is that this is the strength, the fellowship, the people. You can use the rooms as a higher power. There's something greater than what you've tried to do, and we can help you with that as a group and a fellowship and sharing our stories. Um, so so that's, and, and then it goes on. Uh, The next step talks about the higher power again, and it talks more about the belief, and then it talks more about how to get that kind of help through uh, turning it over to, to a higher power. Then it goes into an inventory and writing about your past and the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then it goes about telling your past stories or admissions to another person, generally a sponsor or a temporary sponsor. Then it goes to a list of character defects, how those work. Then it gets into the phase of making a list of who you need to make amends to. And um, then it gets into the actual step of making amends. And some people, you know, do that right away. Some people, it takes years to do that. Some is financial, some are emotional, some are um, like for me, I didn't show up at a lot of things because I was busy gambling. So my amends to some people and my family uh, was, you know, I'm sorry I wasn't there. And it's not just about being sorry; it's about changing your behavior. That I'll be I'll be there the next time. Or I I really wanted to attend, but I couldn't. And then it gets into after that. They call them the maintenance steps. We have a step ten where we recap our day. You know, people do that differently. Uh, Some do it through prayer, meditation, uh, or just talking to others about it, or writing things down. That that helps a lot. And then we talk about having a conscious contact with this higher power. And then the last step, although some people try to do this early on, the last step is about giving back. It's about taking a job. It's about putting on the coffee at a meeting, buying the literature, passing it out, helping others. And they call that the 12th step because the 12th step is I've gained all this awareness and knowledge and, and recovery and I need to give it away to other people. And so it, it keeps you participating and the more you participate, usually your recovery gets stronger. And we always say like when people say to us, well, how come you still go to meetings after all these years? And there's many answers to that, but the answer I give is, well, if everybody got a year or six months or felt they knew everything and then didn't go anymore, who's going to keep the door open for the new person who's still suffering? Who's going to share their stories? And for, and for the person with time, they need to hear what's still going on out there and how bad it is and whether people are trying to quit or whether they're doing this new form of gambling or what's changed. And it's a reminder to, at least to me anyway, that I don't want that life anymore. That, that life uh, took me to directions, and I did things that I never planned on doing when I was younger.
0: Well, if somebody needs help, there is a number they can call. 855-222-5542, gamblers Anonymous. Important time of the year with all the sports betting going on right now. Tony, thanks for sharing your story this morning.
1: Oh, Wayne, thank you so much for this opportunity, and I will share this with our group that we, uh, we had to show today. They probably will ask if there's a podcast or a tape we could obtain.
0: There is, and I will send it to you, my friend. That's Tony from Gamblers Anonymous on 14 WILI, Willimann, and 95.3 FM.